0: the are back in October to discuss Leverkusen and Stuttgart flying Union just keep on losing and we've had our first manager sacked Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bundesliga Diaries in the studio with
1: Richard and Mirko. How are we guys?
0: Pretty good, yeah. Cheers yeah, man. I mean,
1: I still have a bit of a jet lag uh, from coming back uh, from the United States two days ago, but... Oh yes, indeed. Uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm pretty fine.
0: Plenty to discuss this, uh, this month. Um, we kick off as ever with the European fixtures, uh, the first European fixtures of the season in the Champions League. Bayern... Not as straightforward as six points from six would suggest, but two wins wins—it's all we can really... I mean, in the group stage, you just want to get out of it and get to the knockout stages, secure top spot, and they're well on their way to doing
1: that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, to concede three against Man United, it's maybe a bit weird, but I think it was also a weird game with the <laughs> comebacks all the time. Yeah. The game was kind of closed off by Bayern like two or three times, and then yeah. uh, just one more goal, just one more goal. But yeah, I mean... They were never in real danger, were they?
0: But in Copenhagen, they were 1-0 down. i had to come from Riyadh and win that.
1: They got it done in the end,
0: but as we said, the Champions League early on group stages. Certainly for a team like Bayern.
1: I, I can see a classic Bayern winning 6 of 6 this time. I mean, they have they have to go away to Manchester, but I can still see them winning.
0: Yeah, the other team is Galatasaray. I mean, they beat United away at Old Trafford. I don't know what that really means at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> Seems like everybody's doing it, but... Maybe a draw away at United, but I can't see them not winning the group. I don't see any situation that doesn't happen. Dortmund, a very different story for them in Europe. Um, Lost 2-0 against PSG and drew 0-0 against Milan, which means that they are yet to even score a goal. In the PSG game, they were just effectively not there, non-existent going forward. Already up against it now to get out of the group. Third place. With Milan, still doable, I guess. But it's almost like they have to probably now beat Newcastle in one of the two games and then probably beat get a result in Milan as well. Yeah, beat um, them. yeah but like, Milan aren't a bad team. They're not doing too badly domestically. For Dortmund, I reckon that'd be a tough game. Certainly away, way to stand zero. So um, they really needed to beat Milan and Newcastle at home to at least secure that third place. It's all very close in that group, but it feels like Dortmund are the fourth of the four teams as it stands.
1: Yeah, I would also say it's rather fourth or third. I yeah. don't really see them content for second anymore.
0: Um, Leipzig, par of the course for them, I guess. They beat Young Boys 3-1 um, and lost to, yeah, by the same scoreline to Man City. What you'd expect. Um, they were close to a point against City, but then exceeded a couple of late goals and that was... That was that really. Um and then we come to Union. First time we've spoken about Union in this section. Um, at least after playing games. It's been half disappointing, but mainly gutting, I think. In the bow, we'll get a little bit to the whole you know, the whole ship because you were there, of course, Richard. But um a last minute goal um from Jude Bellingham to lose that one nil. Two nil up against Braga at home or the Olympic Stadion and then to lose 3-2 with another last minute goal to lose that one as well uh, yeah definitely an opportunity missed in the Braga game so those, that was the game of all the six that you were pinpointing as win this one and then we at least give ourselves a really good chance at third
2: yeah but the way the Bundesliga is going I'd quite like us to not be in any other competition and just maybe concentrate on that staying in the league oh, <laughs>
1: you're still on. afraid of that mate come on oh,
0: you're gonna stay up so let's come to the first away day of the season uh, in Madrid which should have been in a way like the pinnacle of following Union you know the biggest game Union will surely ever play but it didn't quite turn out like that so you want to like just kind of tell us how it went really and what went down
2: uh, I mean you can probably just sum it up very easily that the uh, Spanish police are a bunch of assholes, and Madrid aren't much better, really. So, uh, <laughs> just from an organisational point of view, it's an you know, absolute shit show. Trying to let four thousand people through what was the space of like two little gazebos with ha- which had about four turnstiles yeah. in them.
1: Could, Did they check IDs? Yeah, and they were like... They were
2: checking everything. They were check. Oh, the, you on. got checked I think we went through four checkpoints oh, or five oh, checkpoints, ridiculous. including like. Metal detectors, ID, sniffer dogs, the whole lot. So we were there a good two and a half hours before kickoff, I reckon, and we got in about ten minutes before kickoff. Ah, That's
0: just a killer, that is. Um,
2: But, I mean, that would have been somewhat okay if we would have then at least been allowed to have supported the team how we wanted to, but uh, the fan scene, despite having sent pictures of all the stuff that they wanted to bring with them into the stadium and from what I can tell having the go ahead of that uh, they turned up to the stadium and some of the flags were refused entry on uh, the grounds of glorifying violence because some of the flags had fists on them or there's some of the fan scenes have got cartoon figures with uh, not balaclavas on but sort of masked figures but not even people, sort of, so to speak, they're very sort of like cartoonish. Yeah, uh, and they were denied entry on the grounds of glorifying violence. And that's what it was. Then, uh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. Um And uh, weren't allowed to take megaphones in, take any drums in, and basically anything that was belonging to the fan culture was just uh, denied. And so the ultras went fuck this, and was mad just really... didn't didn't bother going in. As I said, the police are fucking assholes. In the stands, in pretty much full riot gear, yeah, uh, and and the annoying thing was that there was no reason whatsoever because the atmosphere during the day in the the main square where all the Unión fans had gathered, there party was,
0: atmosphere, there, surely, there, you know, well, right. yeah,
2: I mean, it wasn't too party party because I mean it, you aren't allowed to drink on the streets of Madrid, and so at, at the beginning everyone was sort of a bit like, okay, well, we don't want to give the police any any excuse really here, but. After a while, you kind of notice, all right, uh, you can have some drinks here. It's fine. The police aren't really doing too much. There were Ma- mm. there were Madrid fans around. We went into a bar just around the corner from the ground uh, before the game. After the game as well, we were in there. There were Madrid fans around. No one... The Madrid fans couldn't give a shit about Union. There was just nothing. And, I mean, it's not like Madrid have particularly got... I mean, the atmosphere in the ground was pretty lifeless, to be honest, but... There was no animosity. There was nothing there that was like even an undercurrent of anything. And then you've got these fucking dickheads who just want to escalate everything. We're coming out of the ground and there's loads of people just standing around on, and there's just a shitload of police horses just come stampeding through people who had just stood there doing nothing other than just having a conversation with each other. Uh, it's always funny that I think in German they characterise football fans as Gewaltbereitsstehende Leute which is sort of like people who are ready to engage in violence Um, but the biggest group for that is the fucking police Sure, I I,
0: I generally do agree I mean, Spanish police certainly have no experience really of any kind of fan culture in Spain because it just doesn't exist away fans are almost non-existent we, we talked about last year, didn't we? We had some stories about German fans and a kind of a reputation that may have um, oh, built absolutely. up a little bit. I've, I still think it's over the top, but I think you could have a balance of keep in line, but we are also I respect you as just going towards an event, effectively. They
2: shit themselves at people who start singing. Yeah, I, exactly. were, there yeah, were yeah. some people at a bar yeah. on the night beforehand who got uh, taken away in a fucking police van because one of them was outside and just started singing a song and the police came in and was like, right, you're coming with us and got cut away in a police
1: van ridiculous i mean from going to away games i mean that has happened quite often i've seen that happening to me to us to other fans and of german teams quite often and i mean there are only kind of two scenarios either the whole of europe is incapable of policing and organizing a football game or it is actually wanted it can't be that German fans show up too late because they always show up early. Mm. Because they know if we don't show up like three hours early in front of the stadium, we won't get in. And as you said, they try to behave, try to do their very best because the goal is we want to get inside the stadium. Yeah, And then... It feels like they're digging up some little pieces, being like one guy carrying a pile of flare, one guy lighting a cigarette in a non-smoking area, one guy having a drink, one guy carrying a glass bottle. And it's like, oh, yeah, you can't get in here. And it, it feels like they really want this. The thing is that they just don't view football fans as actual people.
2: You get treated like cattle. We got, yeah. we had to stay behind in the stadium, fine, fair enough, but we actually had to stay in the stands. People weren't allowed to go down onto the concourse to go for a piss. You know, trying to get through security just in the first place, everyone was so bunched into each other because you were trying to get through these small entrances mm. and they weren't really caring. So you just treated like absolute cattle.
0: Mm. It just it does feel like, and it's not just even German fans. You know, we had a Champions League final in Paris two years ago, um, where there was such a massive furore about how Liverpool fans, in particular, were unfairly treated, and they were. It was it was a disgrace. But I, I'm trying to be, you know, give a more balanced view and saying that German fans have had a reputation, perhaps based on. the I mean, but clearly it's not because it's it's happening yeah.
2: in and, <laughs> in, the, and all to all be fair right? and. Even Union fans have got a reputation. We talked about Malmo last season. We've not covered ourselves in glory, but you're the police, and part of your job description should involve analysing a fucking situation and working out, does this need de-escalating or what? And it seemed like their automatic, basic default setting was, we are trying to find any reason whatsoever to
1: kick off. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know where it's coming from the... The club certainly is also interested in... I mean, getting in the least fans as possible. And then... No flags and no support Real Madrid was probably happy that it was like that. So, I mean, kind of maybe they're all working together in terms of like, we don't want to look like absolute fools because those 4,000 fans would sing us to the ground. And even without the ultras, I could hear some Union fans on TV. So It was really funny that some people were texting
2: me afterwards saying, oh, we could hear the Union fans, the atmosphere must have been amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it was like pretty poor because obviously...
1: But even a poor Union Away side is hurt. I mean, they had, the acoustics is probably pretty good yeah, in the stadium. Yeah, it,
0: but it's a case of in the land of the blind, the one eyed man is yeah. king. You know, Real Madrid fans, sorry, but it's it's well known that there are a, a handful of clubs in Spain that have any real vocal support. Half of Madrid and Barcelona fans are tourists. Yeah. They're just, you know, they've got a little section where they, you know, that is behind the goal where they have their what if they would equivalate to their ultra scene, but it's not. You can't compare it to Anything that German football sees or has
1: on a weekly basis. How did you experience the fans? Like, did they understand the Union fans? Were they friendly? Did they say, "Oh, great performance"? Or were they like kind of last-minute winner and rubbing it in your face? How, how were the Real Madrid fans towards
2: you? They couldn't give a shit. They they were just like, "Yeah, we won, great." You know, they they didn't understand. They, they didn't care. They didn't they interact. Didn't, no, they didn't, they didn't care. They didn't care that we were there. Like, yeah. it was it was just annoying because the whole point of going over there was to just go over and just make a. Ride old racket and be the loud colourful support that Union try and be and when you can't get that then you just think well what's the point in going to these games because mm. the way I experienced going to that game and everything involved around that game was basically the exact reason why I fell out of love with football to begin with. Sure, and it's yeah. like, as much as it is a great thing Union playing in Europe pretty much all of the Away days that I've done with Union in Europe have been, for the most part, very fucking shit. Yeah. yeah, And very unenjoyable as a fan because you've not really been able to do what it is that you enjoy about being a fan. Yeah. As stupid as it sounds, I had more fun four days later at home against Hoffenheim Mm. than away at Madrid, which. I don't know how you how you kind of take that but it's just like there's I don't really see why I should continue to bother going to European away games.
0: Indeed, Um one quick question about the Braga game at the Olympic Stadium. So obviously you know I'm playing their uh, European games at um yeah, the Olympic Stadium this season. Uh, how was that? How was that experience?
2: A lot better than what I was expecting, but also it was also a little bit chaotic just from the design of the Olympia Stadion is not the greatest. (laughs) Um, And in order to get into certain blocks, there's basically just one big entrance. And so that is quite difficult to get in and out of, particularly shortly before the game at halftime, etc, etc. The atmosphere was great. The atmosphere was really, really good. Some of it's just a bit difficult to organize because when the ground is so big, it's hard to just coordinate everyone singing together yeah. because yeah. that's the way sound works. There's always going to be some kind of delay or something and people aren't going to be able to kind of sing together. But I thought the atmosphere was pretty good and it was it was sold out, 73,000. I didn't really, there was a small Braga contingent. You couldn't really notice them. You only really noticed them in the ninety. <laughs> fourth minute or whatever it was um, but for the most part it, yeah it felt like there was 73,000 Union fans there which was pretty special but it's just a still just a pain in the ass to get to as a stadium to get home from yeah
0: yeah. so I guess not but you're going to Napoli or
1: Braga no
2: no I, I genuinely at the That's moment it, then, I, like I, 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 gen- I mean it's the thing about being a football fan you say this and then if Union happened to get a great European away draw
0: the then you, do, you yeah. turn
2: around and go, ah, oh, do you know what? Yeah, I, I will go for this one because... You one def- more go. Exactly. <laughs> but I've kind of sort of resigned myself to thinking, yeah, do you know what? I, I'm much happier going to Bundesliga away games. I don't need to do European away games because it's just not fun. So,
0: which is fair enough. I um I could I understand that point if you Have to kind of see what was going on from afar uh, in Madrid for your updates. Anyway, um, let's move on to the Europa League. Two German representatives in Leverkusen and Freiburg. Leverkusen, as they are in the Bundesliga, making light work of it. 4-0 win over Harkin, uh, 2-1 against Mulder. Not been the, the first team totally for either of the games, kind of um, a mixed bag on both occasions, but I guess considering the teams they're playing more than enough to pick up six points, and again, you'd look at them now and go, expect them to win that group with plenty to spare Um, Freiburg won 3-2 away Olympiacos which was a really good result Uh, late one for them in that one as well late goal uh, to win but uh, an important three points lost 2-1 to West Ham who are currently on the longest run and beaten run of any English side in European history (laughs) Um, so not the worst results um, necessarily Freiburg looked like they'll be the second team in that group. And it's a relatively tough group. You know, Olympiacos, as we said. Back to Topola, kind of still a little bit of an unknown.
2: Although they've also helped Freiburg out by getting a 2-2 draw with Olympiacos. Absolutely, absolutely. As well. So, yeah. Although it's still early days, only two games gone. Yeah, I think Freiburg will get what we thought they'd get, which was out of the group, but probably just in second rather than winning it.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, Leverkusen already feel as good as through and... Freiburg I, as you say it's been a second uh Europa Conference League I'm Jack Frankfurt Mirko mixed bag for Frankfurt so far 1-2-1 victory over Aberdeen 2-1 loss to Park I mean inconsistent we, yeah
1: we weren't great against Aberdeen and we weren't that bad against Park so uh kind of uh, results in comparison to what we played I think that's still fair in the end to win one lose one Park should be the best team apart from Frankfurt so it will be a battle with Park to win the group and to lose away it's not the biggest problem um, but yeah now it will just be tough to win the group but we will definitely get out of the group
0: do, but it does mean you play a third place team from the Europa League in that playoff round so
1: we're good at Europa League so yeah.
0: <laughs> the Pokal Paul- second round draw uh, has taken place as well. We'll kick off with your Finally. Two teams. Yeah, yeah. What is that about? Why does it take so long?
1: Because of the other games, didn't we talk about we talked about last <laughs> episode. <yeah. laughs> of
0: course we did. Yeah. Uni on away at Stuttgart. It's a shit draw. It's a really <laughs> shit draw on all on all levels. Yeah. It's a shit draw. Freiburg's the longest game in it, but Stuttgart second.
2: Probably. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a pretty long trip for. A Tuesday evening.
0: Yeah, I right. oh god. Uh still have a decent following you'd expect for that, but um
2: well, yeah, yeah, I mean I don't know. I've I think if fifteen hundred turn up then I think that'll be a pretty good going really. But I still call that a decent
0: turnout after an eight hour trip on a Tuesday night. That's that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, you're not wrong. Um Frankfurt away at Victoria Köln, which is Pretty good on all levels, actually. Pretty job, beatable. Yeah, uh, new ground. If you could get a ticket for it, or uh, if I've
1: had the ground, of course. I don't want to go there. I only show up for the final. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, of course you do. The cup, magic of the cup. Pretty good draws, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. To an extent, yeah. I mean, four or Bundesliga ties. I'm not. I'm generally not a massive fan of Bundesliga sides, or top level sides, facing each other in the cup. Why? Because it just feels a bit. But then I want to. I want to see. Or, or do you want to get rid of them early? Yeah, Is that what get you're rid- saying? yeah,
2: get rid of them as soon as possible. I think because I, I want I want to see maybe a lower league team having a decent run.
0: I get what you mean in that respect, but I always it feels more cup like when it's lower league against top league. I guess. We have got a couple of those, in all fairness. A couple of tasty ones in that respect. Sandhausen against Leverkusen perhaps stands out. Uh, Saarbrücken, who of course reached the semi-finals in 1920 um, at home against Bayern.
2: Of course they did. I remember that season well. <laughs> <laughs> did they
0: lose on penalties? In 1920? In, semi- in, in um
2: no, 2019, 2020. Oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> yeah, of course I had that one. It wasn't even a Pokal in 1920.
2: Sorry. Well, why can't you just say three years Ago like any normal person,
0: <laughs> marvelous. Um, but yeah, they got to the semi finals, lost to Leverkusen, but still to get to the semi finals, the Saarbrücken first, fourth division club in the history of the Pokal to reach semi finals. Yeah,
1: now they're third division, so maybe they can beat Bayern.
0: Yes, let's let's hope so. Let's hope so. We'll certainly be backing them or hoping they get the job done. Um, Sampaoli Schauker as well.
2: Also, yeah, uh, have my eye on that. I also fancy Kaiserslautern
1: to beat Köln. As well. Yeah, but, yeah the yeah. moment
0: walk. I will get to Köln, but um Slaughter aren't doing too badly themselves in the Swider Liga. I
1: like, also like Wolfsburg playing Leipzig. That means one of them will get eliminated. That's great.
0: <laughs> that is great. No doubt about that one. Let's jump into the Bundesliga then. About time. Four games, four match days have gone since our last episode, and Stuttgart is still flying. Second in the league at the moment after seven matches. 18 points, won six, lost one. Uh, that is unsurprisingly perhaps their best ever return after seven matches in the Bundesliga it's all about one man though isn't it really Gerasi who just cannot stop scoring a second hat-trick of the season already in the last game before the international break 13 goals in seven games is obviously a Bundesliga record 13 goals in eight games would still be a Bundesliga record so he's got that to look forward to no Stuttgart player has ever scored 13 goals in a Hinderwunder Wow! 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 <laughs> yeah, he's he's already got he's already had the best Stuttgart hinrunder in Bundesliga What's history. What's
1: the best Stuttgart total season? Should be Mario Gomez oh, or like Halle or something? Kevin no,
0: Kiranyi when they won the league.
1: Not the Halle from Dortmund, yeah. another Halle, an older one. But I'm assuming something like Gomez and stuff. They should have had something like twenty something. Yeah, Mario
0: Gomez 08-09 with 24 goals. He's only, he's only 11 off that.
2: With how many games left?
0: 27. 27 games left okay, to score yeah. 11 goals. He's got I mean, 28 goals in 36 games for, for Stuttgart uh, since he signed.
1: If he's continuing, <laughs> at least at a similar pace, I mean, he's not... If you're looking also at the expected goals, then he's not the number one in the Bundesliga. Boniface is higher. What do you mean? Him. So I mean, he scores a lot of goals, and it he will not continue to score at the same rate. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he's
0: outperforming his. He's outperforming his
1: own expectations. So I mean, he can't score the way like he's scoring right now. But even if we would continue scoring the way he is, he would still end up at like twenty five, twenty eight expected goals. He has like around seven. So I mean. I don't know what that means. Didn't he score <laughs> didn't he score nine goals with his first nine shots? Is that right? It's something like that, yeah. Uh, it was. Which is also underlining the outperformance. Uh, that's thing. true. Yeah, you can uh, But I mean that. thirty is still a challenge. Thirty is still a challenge for him. Thirty goals is still Absolutely. hard. I would say, yeah, of course it is, but
0: he's on he's but, on the form of his life but, right now.
1: I mean, if he doesn't make twenty five it's also a disappointing season. Oh, God, I mean... But if he makes 29, it's still a good season. Because, I mean, you can't just continue scoring like that and also defenders now (laughs) will probably mark him really hard. Um, Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about one player
0: here, but we're talking about the impact that will have on a team because Stuttgart have outperformed... I thought they would do well this season. I didn't think they would do this well. Yeah. The goals, the amount of goals they're scoring, 22 is second most in the division behind Bayern and Leverkusen. You know, it's not just... Girasi, who's contributing going forward, Chris Furlish, who picked up his first Germany cap um, in the international break, has got the most assists in the league with five. Enzo Milo, is another one who who's looked good um, up front for them. I mean, you think about the players that they lost. We, we spoke about that in the last episode, but they look a so much more so much improved team now. What Sebastian Hurnus has managed to do, even when he was appointed last year, and there was that improvement in the second half uh, of last season, they are arguably the most exciting team to watch this season and that's going you know in a, in a season where Leverkusen have been um really good as well but Stuttgart just they don't control games in the same way that Leverkusen have they get the ball and the way they attack with speed and
1: they're so direct um yeah it's, it's, it's really really good to watch yeah definitely and um even the game against Leipzig they lost lost 5-1, but still they were going forward and uh, they were trying. And, and that's what I like about Sutka. They're always going all in, playing pretty offensive. And it's gr- it's great to watch them. I mean, yeah. there's always lots of goals in their games.
0: <laughs> it's just the speed with which they attack that's really calling effectively every team other than Leipzig. And they won the up and half time in that match, don't forget, as well. So it wasn't like they were dominated from start to finish. They're not going to stay where they are for the whole season, but I think it's always easier for teams when they score a lot of goals, that's how they win games, rather than defensively solid, because I feel like even if you could score a few less goals, you've still got enough to win games in that respect.
1: Yeah, definitely. Teams that win 1-0, 2-1s, it's like if you don't score the one, then you're not winning.
0: Even players off the bench as well. Undav in the match against Köln Gassi didn't score, but Undav pops up with a brace. They win 2 0, three more points. You know, and you need that as well. Bit of a difficult run coming up. Depends how you look at it, I guess. Union away. <laughs> after a national break. But then Hoffenheim, um, Union in the cup. Heinheim away, followed by Dortmund at home, Frankfurt away, Bremen at home, Leverkusen away, Bayern at home. So I guess at this point you can say there's a fair few free hits in that. How they performed till this point in the season you know, against Leverkusen, Bayern, Dortmunds, they don't need to win those games. They, they, they're they not in a situation where they need to, think we need to start picking up points here if we want to get away from relegation. A European spot at this point for Stuttgart would be fantastic if, if that's seventh, they finish seventh, you know, which you, you would think would get you um, a conference league spot. That would be a, a, a brilliant achievement. So they've taken the pressure off themselves with a brilliant start to the season. What do we think realistically they can do? Where do we... See them finishing now after seeing the first seven games. We're almost a quarter of the way through the season.
2: Can I just say top half of the table? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I've seen Unión get European spots and having done that off the back of starting pretty well. So I don't really want to rule out and say, "Oh, Stuttgart, it's European spots is still too much to talk about and whatnot." But I still think that it is, particularly when. There are some other teams in the league that have started better than what I thought they were going to do. The teams that in the previous years haven't been up there. You know, Hoffenheim, for example, have started pretty well. Far better than what I thought they were going to do. Wolfsburg aren't looking too bad. You've still got Leipzig. And that's without taking into account Bayern, Dortmund, Leverkusen as well. It feels like a season where there is actually going to be quite a few teams Capable of getting in the euro European spots mm. um, and in previous seasons, I feel like some teams have massively underperformed, and it's been a little bit easier really to get into well. europe, so yeah, at the moment, I just think top half is definitely attainable
1: top half's locked up i I mean I agree what you're saying. Hoffenheim didn't play uh, international in the last three, four seasons, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Wolfsburg had poor season. Gladbach, really poor since a couple of years. I mean, they were seem to be certainly a top six, top seven team. And they're kind of poor this year again. But apart from that, the rest is pretty much performing. And I can see Frankfurt or Freiburg finishing ahead of Stuttgart. That would be possible. Yeah. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, so I still think they have great chances to finish top seven. But I, they they're definitely into a top ten.
2: Yeah, but I think you know there's still lots of things to to take into consideration. I mean, if Girasi gets an injury, then that- well, then
1: they've
0: got the Undav coming in then as a backup who's proven himself when he was called upon to come off the bench. I mean,
2: yeah, but there's a difference between stepping in on the odd game and say like if you've got to carry the team for a couple of months, mm-hmm. you know. Particularly with the amount of goals that Girassy has been scoring, and I know that his release clause has passed and whatnot, but if he keeps on playing like this, I dare say that there are going to be teams in January looking at Garassi and going, "Well, eh, maybe, we, maybe we might actually buy him. He might not even get to play the whole season." That's
0: always the the, the danger, yeah. isn't it? Keeping hold of the best players. It just feels like a purple patch form for Stuttgart at the moment, and um, you know the improvement has been so so drastic. From you know finishing in the relegation playoff last year and finishing fifteenth the year before that, to then be one point behind the leaders of seven games, it it seems unlikely they'll be able to keep up that pace or anything even close to that pace for that much longer. Now you've convinced me that with so many teams doing well there's going to be a massive battle even for seventh. But I did think Stuttgart would do well this year. And I think if they keep hold of the players, January will be an important time for them. Um, Then why not get a European spot? But um,
1: there is a long way to go. Didn't you even say they could push for Europe in your predictions? So, I mean, (laughs) if you said that before the season, now is the time to stick to it. I didn't say they would get um, a top seven spot in the end. I think I had. But I mean, we were both pretty positive and were saying they could be a surprise team. And um, they are a surprise team already. And I think they're going to continue surprising.
0: At the other end of the table, Darmstadt uh, have actually done quite well recently. And um, we all had them to go down, if I remember rightly. Even perhaps all bottom of the table. Yeah. Uh, I certainly did anyway. So, um, yeah, after the first three games, they'd lost them all. A couple of heavy defeats in there as well. Kind of thinking, yeah, that's what we expected. And they were going to be cut adrift quite quickly. But... Hasn't quite worked out like that. They've got seven points from the four games since. Back-to-back victories as well against uh, 4-2 win over Bremen and 2-1 victory over Augsburg. They were 3-0 up against Gladbach. Got a red card after half-time and conceded three picked points, which when you're 3-0 up is a massive disappointment. But it's the first point and kind of set them on the right road. They lost 3-1 to Stuttgart. But again, as we just spoke about Stuttgart, it's hardly a poor result. It's been their form this season, and it was two-one until ninety-second minute, so not a bad result either. So, um, yeah, perhaps we should revisit a little bit what we uh, what we said about. Nope. The that. No, no. we're we <laughs> no. not doing that at all. They're going to
1: finish bottom, or maybe second to bottom, and they're getting relegated. Yeah, still nof- nothing you've seen to change your mind. I mean, pff, the way they also won. <laughs> Standards, corners, penalties, stuff. I mean, they had one hammer goal, one one wonder goal, but I don't really see them staying up. I mean, they're essentially getting one point per game at the moment, which would
2: see them on 34 points come the end of the season. That would be enough. It would be enough. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm as equivocal as you in saying that they're still definitely going to go down. The back-to-back wins against Bremen and Augsburg are looking like they're going to be against teams that are also going to be down there. And that's huge. Yeah, They've managed to quickly find their feet in the Bundesliga, which is always important. You didn't want that first bad three games to turn into a first bad six games. Absolutely. But it's a long season. It's a long season. And they're going to go through periods again where they fail to score and they get beaten it's still going to be tough
1: for them the thing is heidenheim also has seven points and i still think the quality of heidenheim is better the way heidenheim a couple of weeks put dortmund under pressure they they drew and it they looked like they could win it so heidenheim i think has a bit more of a balanced squad and a bit more quality than darmstadt and i can see them surprise some teams Whereas Darmstadt is kind of the classic long ball story and hope they somehow win it 1-0. That's
0: a bit hard. I feel a bit harsh. They've scored 12 goals this season. They've scored more than nine (laughs) other sides.
1: Twice as much as Frankfurt. (laughs)
0: They've scored more than nine teams in the whole division. They start games very quickly. Seven goals in the first 30 minutes of matches, which is a league lead. Certainly going forward, I've been impressed with Darmstadt it's defensively you know their issues are there um 19 goals conceded is a joint high so that tells its own story really but going forward they've been far better than I expected they've changed the way they played a little bit as well they've um started playing higher up the pitch an average of three meters higher up the pitch after match day five than before so in the the two wins they've stood on average three meters higher up the pitch an average position for players so Lira Kinesh has seen something that he didn't like, has reacted to that and changed or, it, and or it's or they really... dropped
1: their nervousness. Perhaps maybe.
0: once getting used to it and picking up a point, um, you know that first point on the board against Gladbach, even if they were three 0 up and couldn't see it through, it's still off the mark.
1: I will also maybe correct myself. I'm I'm not guaranteeing relegation now because I can also see it will be close at the top at the fight for Europe as Richard said I can also see it being very close at the bottom and as you mentioned before with Köln, Augsburg Gladbach I don't see Union in there (laughs) not really but I can see like five of six teams really fighting for it so uh, it can be very close at the bottom
0: Leipzig and Bayern uh, in the next few games write them off let's say after that Bochum, Mainz, Freiburg Köln, Heidenheim really important five games there for them to potentially move away from the relegation zone altogether or get pulled right back into it and, and be in trouble again a little bit like Stuttgart we'll kind of know where we are I think after after that little run but um we can only applaud them for even if it's only in the short term answering us the critics <laughs> let's say now we come to the standout team so far this season um, which is by Leverkusen you know we spoke about the last month fantastic start that was just before the Bayern game they picked up a 2-2 draw there to an extent slightly fortunate a last minute penalty and Hranetski made at least three stunning saves in that match I know Leverkusen had their chances as well they hit the post um, inverts but Bayern had the better chances and Bayern, if Bayern were more efficient they would have won that game.
2: No, I don't agree with that at all. I think a a draw at the end of it was a fair result because Bayern had the first 20 minutes in the first half and then for 20 minutes after that how Leverkusen had not scored three goals I do not know. The fact that it took them to the 90th minute or whatever to even get the second goal was unbelievable because they absolutely battered Bayern by the end of it I thought a 2-2 draw was or at least a draw shall shall we say was a a fair result because it could have been a 3-3-4-4 draw I thought both teams the, the match it was a brilliant brilliant match really really good swung both ways I don't think it was lucky or anything like that. I thought. They- no, I wouldn't say it was lucky. I
0: wouldn't say it was unfair. I would say Bayern was slightly a better team. And had they have won 2 1, you wouldn't have complained about the result because I think they, mm, they had enough chances. I
2: still would have, but. Yeah. The,
0: Ke- <laughs> <laughs> the Kane won, like, he didn't. He did nothing wrong. It's just an outrageous save from Renovetsky. Yeah. At the end of the day, Leverkusen scored from two set pieces. You know, they scored a free kick, which was a great free yeah, kick. Yeah, you make it sound
2: like that was easy because that free kick was fantastic
0: they didn't score from open play no but they Um, should have done they had enough chances to boniface missed a couple of ones from close range couldn't even hit the target which was really disappointing considering his form this season either way it was a massive result really for Leverkusen because it it kind of underlines that they actually can really challenge this year i mean we talked about it after the first three games and you want to be a little bit cautious if anybody is going to challenge Bayern this year it will be Leverkusen They look so good. Some of the victory, I mean, the the one against Curl was just so dominant from start to finish. Against Mike's week before, they weren't at their best but still managed to win 3 0. They control games so well as well. I mean, they aren't really giving opponents that much of an opportunity to get into games that often because of the way Alonso set them up and the players they've got in certain positions allow them to keep hold of possession and, you know, find the right time to strike. They're dangerous from so many different positions. They don't rely on one player. They've got four, five, six players who can be decisive. And they're not even all starting. You know, Adley, even from the bench, is a player who's, who can be really dangerous. Or Nathan Teller from the bench can be dangerous. Um, Klozek's popped in, I mean, perhaps in, in Europe, but he's popped up with goals as well it's always hard to not go with buying <laughs> whenever you know and still stick with that but like i said if, if anybody's going to challenge it will be them. there's no other pretender to the title let's say right now who are close to Leverkusen Dortmund. being there
1: come on Dortmund no.
0: we'll get to Dortmund and Dortmund have perhaps shown us up a little bit but you look at the way Dortmund winning winning games look at the way Leverkusen winning games and if you're going to win the bundesliga which is a, that's what we're saying no then. prizes
2: for pretty football john
0: yeah but i think you've got to dominate bayern bayern pick up so many easy wins in a season because they just batter teams early on and they can kind of take it easy and they don't have to don't have to give 9, 100% every single mm, game like yeah. dortmund you feel are having to do more because they're not putting teams away and Leverkusen are doing that and they're able to take players off a little bit early, give them a little bit of a rest and stuff like that.
2: Yeah,
1: fair point. But Dortmund won't have to play international after winter. So <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe that maybe. helps. I mean I I can just hope to have two or more teams being able to win the title after thirty two match days. And that's all I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you said,
0: you? I mean, it's some of the particular players who are performing really well as well. The experience that they signed in in Xhaka and Hoffman, who have just been so good. Xhaka in that position, I mean, if he if he gets injured then there are more issues that arise, I think, because he's so good at controlling the game alongside Palacios and really brings that experience to the team. You know, he's been away in the Premier League for years. You can see his leadership in every game, the way he organised the team and helped set up the structure. Alonso was a great midfield player. The way that he wants to play the game, you can see that he wants and needs somebody a little bit like him. I'm not saying Jack is as good as Alonso was, but he is. He is a really good midfielder and has proven it for a long time, even if there's always been a little question about perhaps his discipline and the odd mistake here and there. But with with experience and with time and ultimately, let's be honest, less pressure in the Bundesliga than he would be used to at Arsenal in the Premier League he's settled in so well and Hoffman we know all about him don't we he's been doing it for Gladbach for years and come to Leverkusen and done exactly the same thing
1: if not gone up a level he's yeah way. I would say he's going better every year like an, like wine getting better every year he's in the form of his life
0: yeah absolutely Wolfsburg Freiburg Hoffenheim Union Bremen Dortmund Stuttgart to come
1: doesn't matter they're going to win all
0: wow you think, you'll win? you think they'll win all seven of those games
1: no not really <laughs>
0: I'm kind of thinking, what points total is going to be needed to take the title off Bayern this year? And that's that's kind of more
1: than last year, but not that much more.
0: I would say more than last year. But then I asked myself, are Leverkusen a better team than Dortmund were last year? And that that, that's yeah, definitely, definitely a better team. Like I said, they're winning games and they're making it easy for easier for themselves than Dortmund did. And Dortmund do. We'll get to Dortmund in a second, but. When you're going for 34 games, you've got to keep up with that just monotonous pace of buying, just winning, and, and, and the amount of times they crush teams, you have to do the same. I can lay can can get more points than Dortmund got last year. Whether they can hold their nerve if they're in and around it right at the end, I don't know, but with the experience that they've signed, it gives them a better chance of doing that. And talking of Dortmund, we mentioned, or more than mentioned, we discussed how poor they started the season um, in the last episode. Picking up five points from the first three games was not terrible, I guess. But it's certainly after they were so close to the title last year and the the way that they dropped points was particularly disappointed. And we kind of thought that they would drop off quite quickly and not be in and around it at all. But they've come back and showed something that Dortmund don't seem to show a lot of. And that's a little bit of resilience in um, a few of those matches and picked up four wins in a row. 12 points. I I can't ask much more than that.
2: There are only two points off Leverkusen. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you said in the last episode, the only maybe small glimmer of hope was that they were unbeaten uh, yeah. at the start of the season, which they hadn't managed for God knows how long, and they're still unbeaten. And if you don't lose games, then yeah, okay, yeah, you could technically draw 34 games in a season and not do very well, but... For the most part, if you're not losing games, you're probably going to end up very near the top uh, after a while, and that's what they're slowly doing.
0: The fact that they have to come back and picked up twelve points is really impressive. And um, you know, in a couple of those games, we had the red card, for example, against Hoffenheim at um, two-one, and managed to see that out and win three-one. It's not something the Dortmund perhaps always do. And we've already talked about the Heidenheim game, for example. They were two-nil up and couldn't see that one out against a newly promoted side who didn't even have a point at that time can they keep up winning in the same way I'm not sure you know they were 2-1 down against Freiburg until the hour mark and scored the winner let's say um, for Hummel's second goal with two minutes left on the clock they narrowly beat Wolfsburg 1-0 took the 16th minute until they scored the winner there the Hoffenheim game we mentioned—it was two-one down to ten men when by sent off, and they, you know, finally killed the game in um, in the fifth minute of injury time. And then against Union, two-one down at half time, and have to score three goals it, against it,
1: Union at the moment.
0: Three goals in quick succession, I guess, at the start. I didn't leave it quite as late as um, they had done in the Freiburg game, but still you've got to come from behind and pick up results, and that's—it's really hard to do and to keep up. Gotta give the praise to Tursic though for keep them moving in the right direction somehow. I mean, because if it really feels like the way they're playing, the fact that they're only two points behind Leverkusen, it feels like this. It should be streets, really. They look like two totally different sides. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put them both in a title race, I guess, which is where where they would be both at the moment. Um, but Turzic is getting results. They're fifteen games unbeaten now in the Bundesliga, which
1: is the longest run currently of any
0: side in the top flight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Terzic is doing a pretty good job in keeping calm and uh, yeah. not freaking out when they have a couple of bad games, when they have a couple of good games. He's, yeah, he's also not freaking out after winning four in a row. He knows pretty realistic where they're at. They need a, an above average season to get something. They're most likely going to finish top four, top three, something like that. But they still need a really, really good season to get close to Bayern. So I think he has a big picture in the eye. And that is, if we work for three or four years on a good level, we might have a chance to get one title.
0: It's quite ironic that the guy with the most emotional connection to <laughs> Dortmund of any manager they've had, effectively, of, well, ever, <laughs> arguably, is the man who is, as you say, the most composed and the most calm. It's, uh, it's, quite, it's quite funny. Uh, he's got 2.08 points per game in the Bundesliga for Dortmund, which is second only to Thomas Tuchel. And that's 2.09 that he had as well. So it's like there's nothing
2: in it. And he's been there for quite a while now. And it's not something that, yeah, uh, is just a a flash six months or whatever. You start to go, okay, well, this seems like a sustained period where, yeah, it's not flashy in terms of the way that they're playing football. And we said there, two points difference between Leverkusen and Dortmund, but in the terms of the way you watch the teams play, is night and day. But you still keep on managing to get them there or thereabouts. I think the fact that they don't have any particular standout player so far this season is another reason hmm. why you're sort of thinking, yeah, well, are they actually any good? Because they don't have, say, someone like, Boniface, or maybe Girassi, or you know, someone where you're watching teams play and there's just a clear standout player. Dortmund are very sort of, yeah, I guess you'd say almost workmanlike. Methodical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, I get what you mean. uh, And so you sort of almost lulled into a false sense of security and thinking that they're not actually that decent. We spoke last season, actually, halfway through the season when they were looking like they were going to be in a title race. And we were sort of saying, it doesn't really feel like. Dortmund have done that much this season yeah, and yet there they were at the end of it and it feels like it's similar vibe this season which I don't know maybe might suit Dortmund just in the sense of them not getting carried away because uh-huh. if they had started their season say in the way that Leverkusen had then the amount of hype and the amount of focus that would be on them would probably mean that they'd all completely mess it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, a three-way title race is probably Dortmund's best hope, actually. As you said, someone else to kind of take the pressure off and just being all about Mm. Dortmund's. Perhaps even a little bit of criticism on Dortmund's way because they're not the best of the rest. It's someone else who's challenging them if they're the third team at a certain point. A stat that really does show the the job that Terzic has done, certainly domestically, since being appointed full-time. Dortmund have 63 points in 2023, which is nine points more than any other side. It's nine points more than Leipzig and Bayern. And that's over a long time. So you've got a big sample size there. It's, as, as you said, you know, it's been a long time in terms of him being there, so the points per game now starts to take shape and stuff like that. Um, we've criticised Dortmund's lack of resilience and mental strength, so we do have to give them credit for that.
2: From a points perspective, it's actually Dortmund's fourth ever best start to the Bundesliga. There's only been three other seasons where they've had more points at this stage of the season. I know it's only seven games, but they're making me get belief again back in my prediction at the beginning of the season. You I wrote, did go with them, didn't you? I you did, did and them, then I, I sort of wrote, I sort of wrote them off at the end of, uh, in the last episode. But then maybe they might be able to stick around. We'll see.
0: I'm still going with Leverkusen to be main challengers now at this point but Dortmund have been there, Dortmund have done it, Dortmund know how to finish second and lose ultimately So So, do Leverkusen uh, mate Yeah they do, they do That is very true. So now we come to those sides who have struggled recently and there's no one who is struggling quite like Union Berlin right now It's seven defeats in a row in all competitions um, and there have been a couple of results in there against some teams that you expect to lose to. It hasn't been the easiest run if we're trying to find any positives. You know, Real Madrid in there, Wolfsburg at home, a tough team to beat. Dortmund away is tough, but still, seven defeats in a row is very disappointing. They lost the last two at the Alta Eye as well, which is particularly uh, worrying considering they had that long unbeaten run before that. 14 goals conceded already this season, which is their most after seven games of any Bundesliga season. Only five, but still. I personally have praised Union for kind of sticking to their principles and kind of honing in very much on their let's get the ball in the box, let's get good crosses of the ball, let's look to be positive and strong in the air as a main tactic. And that's this season is what they've done. Eight of their ten goals have come from headers. Um, They've got the second most crosses in in the league. It's not like that tactic hasn't worked at all. Perhaps it's starting to get a little bit like finally they're getting a little bit found out now, and it's a little bit one dimensional, and it's trying to find another way of playing, another way of getting around that is becoming a little more difficult. I don't know, but you you've seen Unión a bit more than me, um, Richard. So perhaps you've got a different you know view uh, or opinion of why this. I mean, it's not just a bit of a small run; it's a really poor run now. So yeah, why? Yeah. Because the question <laughs> is why? Why
2: is that? Uh, it's kind of a perfect storm of quite a few things, I think. First of which is, and I'm a little bit reticent to sort of say that losing, just losing a couple of players is, has had such a massive effect because I do think that Union's strength and why they've been so successful recently is the fact that they play as a team and that they don't really have any standout players. It's very much about what the group can achieve, but... At the same time, it is such a well-oiled machine that if you do take a couple of cogs out of it, it can fall apart and start sputtering very quickly. And early into the season, we lost Rani Kadira and Robin Knocher. I do think that they are two of the most important players in that team. I was trying to get Kadira into our team of the season last season because I was saying mm-hmm. what an important job that he does. That player, the defensive midfielder, sat in front of the defence and then also actually just sat in front of Robin Knocher as well, who's in the middle of that three. You take those two out of the team and Uniona now, as you said, conceding goals left, right and centre. And last season we had, what, the best defensive record? Was it equal? That's, yeah. Last year. Last season? Equal, equal best. Equal best, yeah. And the difference is is huge because the defensive solidity is not there because probably the two main consistent performers from last season are out injured. I think Robin Knocher has missed eight games since he joined Union in 2021, something like that. I can't remember exactly the year. And Union have lost all of the games that he's not played in.
0: Oh, wow. Shit.
2: Yeah. Uh, He's he's very important to the way the team works. So you've got a defence that is very leaky because it's missing some of its bigger players. You've got an attack which isn't really firing very well because, well, I seem to have jinxed Fafana from having saying that he was going to have a pretty good season. He's looked completely cut adrift, (sighs) even after the... He had a good pre-season, looked quite lively, hasn't really been able to offer anything so far. Uh, Geraldo Becker, in the last two games against Dortmund and against Braga, he's looked back to the kind of standard that he should be playing at. But at the beginning of the season, he very much looked like a player that wasn't I wouldn't say not happy that he was there but he was clearly after a move he's been after a move for about the last two three seasons now he wants to go to England he wants to go and earn a lot of money and for whatever reasons the teams that were linked with him I think West Ham were after him uh, or heavily linked with him there was no real offers that came in and I think he's had to sort of get his head back together in the sense of going, all right, okay, I'm here again for another season and I need to deliver because he didn't really do much at the start of the season.
0: Well, if he doesn't deliver, he won't get a move. Well, exactly.
2: And so maybe even if it is a case of going, right, I'm going to play well because I want to get my move. Well, you know, anyone can benefit from that. But he hasn't really been playing that well either and Kevin Behrens I love the guy it's an amazing thing you've got a player who started off in the regional Liga, is now in playing in the Champions League he's been called up to the Germany squad for the first time ever it's great to see that kind of stuff he's deserved it he's been a very good player for Union but he is also a player that if you're going to be maybe objective you'd he's not limited he's he, oh. but I think, I think there are but there are but there there are certain things that he can do incredibly well but the trouble is they also rely on other people making the most of what he does you know it doesn't look very good for him when he's say winning flick ons that aren't going to other players you know, yeah, if yeah. if he's in the box and maybe he's not getting the delivery that he needs to be getting. Because he's not a player that's suddenly going to be able to, say, dribble past three players out of nowhere and just score a goal. He either needs the delivery or he needs other players to make the most of some of the assists and whatnot that he brings in. So if, he, if none of that happens, he looks quite ineffective in games for Union.
0: He's very good in the air. He's His aerial prowess is like really impressive, and he's of his skill set, he's making the most out of it. It says so much more about Germany and the state of Germany and he is in the Germany squad that does about Kevin Behrens. I've got to be honest, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be anywhere near the Germany squad. The fact that you you see from Makoko was with the under-21s, and then went and scored a hat-trick for the under-21s, and is in the Germany squad ahead of Behrens is, sorry with all due respect to Behrens, is wrong Yeah, Nagelsmann.
2: That has probably more down to the fact that Behrens is actually also playing for the club. Yeah, he is. He and is. Makoko isn't. So for whatever I mean, reason. Yeah, So yeah, but I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But anyway, the point is, there's a lot of players up front who, are, who either haven't been performing or maybe aren't the players that can carry the team. Folland was out suspended as well for three games as well. So you've got that. And then in the midfield... We still don't have the players that are capable of dominating a game possession-wise, keeping hold of the ball and being able to take control of the game. Mm. So you've got a defence that's leaky, an attack which is struggling for form and goals, and a midfield that is unable to dominate games or take pressure off the defence and so on. And You put all three of those things together and it's like, yeah, then you lose seven games in a row. (laughs) There's been a suggestion, or
0: a few suggestions really, that Union's uh, transfer policy are moving away to an extent from, not I wouldn't say bog-standard players, but unknown quantities players who um have gone through the ranks and union is their big move um stuff like that or players who weren't having a look in elsewhere and you know union to kind of revive their career i don't know those kind of players union have signed that we don't know too much about and they've gone on to do um great things for union and signing players like let's say gauzins and voland and bonucci um who are far bigger names that That's kind of contributed to uh, to Union's poor form because Golden's uh, playing so bad. Yeah, because he's been one of our
2: best players. Probably, I mean, he'll
0: probably be on union's best player this season. Yeah, but Benucci hasn't had he wasn't too bad ...an impact that we, we, he's, we, he's been at
2: fault for quite a few goals, but at the same time, he hasn't had a pre season. He's 36, it's such a different league, the Italian league to the Bundesliga, he was talking about it in an interview, he said the amount of space that attackers have in the Bundesliga is insane compared to Serie A. And he's having to learn a different style of defending. He's also, when you're that age, there's there's a lot of players in the Bundesliga who you probably wouldn't want to go up against in a sprint, even when you're at your peak physical condition, and definitely not when you're maybe in your last year of your career. So I still think he's getting used to Everything, But I don't think it's necessarily the players, but just simply how many times do we sit here at the beginning of the season and make jokes about how many transfers Union have done? Because they do so many. Yeah. And yeah, it's great when they all come off and you can buy a load of players and you can integrate them into the team and they hit the ground running. Yeah, it's brilliant. But if that doesn't, there is always the risk that that's not going to work. You can't every season buy eight, ten players, let a similar amount of players leave and
1: expect that it's just going to work straight away. But they're buying better players. True. So that's, I mean, they're, they're improving the squad constantly. And the, the squad they're having now is a top ten Bundesliga side. Easily. I think the majority of players does work at Union and Fischer makes them work because he is a great manager and th- they have a poor run at the moment, but don't see everything too negative. I think they're going to be winning fairly quickly again because I think the quality there is just there and it's just too good. I still think Union will be fine. I think they'll
0: recover. If you look at Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg, Dortmund and Leipzig have all been during that run and also Real Madrid. Those are five of those games, yeah. All of those teams, two or three years ago, you'd have expected Union to like absolutely, definitely lose all of those. Mm. It, says, it says a lot about where Union have come from, that yeah. t- t- losing to those teams is like mass disappointments. The Heidenheim one is the one, really, isn't it? I mean, that's just an absolute, cannot lose that. Yeah.
2: Union have got form for losing to promoted sides yeah, anyway. Yeah, random so. points,
0: yeah. Augsburg, let's come to them next. One winning four. And a new manager. The first manager sacked of the season, Enrico Mars. No one had that, right? I don't believe so. I had a matarazzo, which uh, didn't work out.
1: In
2: the end, I think uh, I know I went with Oliver at Bremen, but I think I might have said Mentioned, yeah. That I wanted to go with Augsburg uh-huh. and then I changed my mind. I think
1: I think it was he was mentioned, but it was always it, gonna it, be I one. I think of, it's a surprise. Really? Really? Oh, it's
0: been coming. It has been coming. Augsburg have won two of their last 18 games.
2: I think that was it why I said him, because the two teams that were poor at the end of last season were Bremen and Augsburg. And so for me, it was if either one of those two have a poor start to the season their managers are gone. And both (laughs) are. I was thinking of just beating
0: Bremen to the punch. Um, So yeah, not including promoted and relegated sides, they've got the lowest number of points across that period, along with Bremen, 12 points. He won 11 out of 44 matches, 0.95 points per game so less than one point per game. When you know he was hired, it was meant to be a positive move for Augsburg, how they were going to be a little bit more expansive, let's say, than they were previously, and that hasn't really happened. They haven't been as poor as they were before him, in terms of watch, but there hasn't been a major improvement. I wouldn't say there's that much difference between his side and you know the side before. They've not won in away in 16 games. They've covered... Less grounds this season than any other team in the division on average, which, when you're losing, looks so much worse as an isolated stat. Um, and you start to add it all together; it's been, it has been coming. He's not in the relegation zone. That's the, that's the only thing that would work in his favour. He's, he's He is tasked with keeping Augsburg up. It doesn't feel like there's much more expectation or goal at Augsburg at the moment than to finish 14th, 13th. You know, he's 15th, finished, kept him up last year. That works in his favour, but he certainly hasn't done a good job.
1: Uh, I can't really add anything more. Um, <laughs> I mean, to me, I also didn't really see the change when he was coming in. I think It's still Augsburg. I felt there was
2: a there was an initial bit of an upswing, but certainly, yeah, from the middle of last season, it's been downhill. I think
0: they're a bit better going forward. I mean, they scored ten goals after seven games this year, which is more than the previous two combined.
2: <laughs> okay, but yeah.
0: they scored. They've conceded seventeen. Only Bochum, Darmstadt, and Mainz have conceded more. The, the, the contrast with first half and second half is actually mad. They've conceded four of their seventeen goals in the first half. 13 after the break which is like a massive difference starting well and just not being able to follow it through and then when you go back to the stat of running and and the work and the effort you know it maybe it's a stat that you don't always look at and it doesn't always tell the whole story because a team that runs perhaps more efficiently can still pick up points but, it, like I say, it doesn't look good when you put it alongside other things. And I'm sure the board at Augsburg have been keeping an eye on things like that. And it's come to a head, really. The new manager is Jester Thorup, who will be an unknown in Germany, hasn't managed in Germany before. He's won uh, the Danish Super League with uh, Michelin's. M- 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 Midtjylland. Midtjylland, yeah. Mithieland. Thank you, Rocco, for popping in with that lovely pronunciation. Uh, and Copenhagen earned promotion with Esbjerg as well, the top flight and won the cup with them. So he's had success back in Denmark. Um, also managed at Ghent and Genk in Belgium, who are big sides.
1: They're both playing internationally. Yeah, they're both big sides in Belgium rushed. towards yeah, the top yeah.
0: of the table. So he comes in as a manager who is used to playing with teams that dominate or are looking or have expectations of being near the top of the table and winning games. So
1: just what I wanted to say, the move reminds me of Stalis Holbanken to Köln or Kasper Hulman to Mainz, kind of managers that are known to dominate in the Danish league and other leagues. And then they come into a team who can't play football. I don't see that really working out. I don't really understand why he would go there. I mean, yeah, certainly the wages should be higher than in Danish football, but why would you trade yourself from a job playing for a top team, being able to coach someone, and then Augsburg telling like, yeah, kick the ball out of the box, just try not to lose. It seems like a downgrade. I don't know if he likes the mountains in Bavaria, the beer. It seems like a weird move and a downgrade, and I can't really see it work out in the long run. But he was out of a job. It wasn't like he'd left Copenhagen to go
0: to Augsburg. He was out of work. Yeah,
1: fair enough, fair enough.
2: And I don't think Augsburg's squad is that bad no i do think, think there is more the, to be done yeah with. not that it's like so Oh, get him into the top half of the table or anything like that but i do sometimes think there is a possibility with the players that they've got that they could at least be comfortably safe you know 12th 13th
0: you've got to also ask like what well, who do you want them to to bring in then if go back to the managerial merry-go-round of the usual names like uh I don't know Martin Schmidt is now in the board, but you know somebody like that, or Thomas, why Dull, not Bruno Labbadia? Or, yeah, Bruno <laughs> Labbadia. That's what I mean. Like one of those, one of those names. So they go and get that, and that doesn't really work out. I Don't know if it's ambition to say, but it's um, they're bringing in a manager who who has won, who wins. I, I personally believe that as a manager, it does not matter where you win. You have to work with the players that are at your disposal. So. Augsburg brought in somebody who has that wing mentality at least. How much of an impact it's gonna have, I don't know. But I think, I think it's far better than just picking the same old names. He's got his work cut out. Augsburg have been in and around the relegation
2: places for I, don't I can remember, feels like, to be honest. But isn't this what they do? They sort of they they sack a manager, get a new one in, things pick up for very briefly, and then at some point, probably around this time next season, it'll be the same thing again.
0: Whatever we say about Augsburg, they're not doing as bad as Köln right now, who are currently bottom of the table. They've lost each of their last four games. Six out is, seven yes, as well. One point to their name. This is their worst ever start to a Bundesliga season wow. ever. And they've been around in the Bundesliga yeah. for the majority of it. Four consecutive defeats for the first time under Stefan Baumgart. Um, they're bottom of the table for the first time since December 2019. They were relegated in that time, but... It's really not looking good for Köln. And it, I mean, the first question I would ask is how long does Stefan Baumgart have at Köln to be given a chance to turn it around?
1: I'm just looking at the upcoming games and I would say he will be sacked pretty soon. They're going to lose the derby against Gladbach on the weekend. Then they're playing <laughs> Leipzig away, so the next two are definitely lost. Then they play Augsburg at home, where they definitely need to win. And then they play Bochum away. So they need to win one of those two. Afterwards, it's FC Bayern coming. If he doesn't win in one of those two... I would certainly strong. not
0: say they're definitely going to lose to Gladbach. Yeah. yeah I where you get they're at point. home.
1: And Gladbach's also poor. Yeah, yeah. right.
0: Gladbach, uh, it's still hard to kind of work Gladbach out, out at the moment. They, yeah. look f- uh, they look like two different teams in the same game the Darmstadt one for example is a great example of that 3-0 no down and get 3-3 three, three. it's a derby Köln have done well recently in the derbies um, they've only lost one against of the last five against, well, the, the, the real derby next yeah. I mean the uh, <laughs> I know Labour Cruiser tried to put a little bit of bite in on social media about it, but the curl weren't really having it, were they?
2: And lest we not forget, during the international break, they did win 15 0 in a friendly as well. So, what's the point in that? uh, (laughs) What is the point in that? (laughs) Against SC Germania Reusrath. The longer the name,
1: the lower the league.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, They've scored four goals. Well Even exactly. So they needed him. some
2: shooting practice from the sounds of it. So they've got their yeah. shooting boots back on.
0: It's tough because it feels like it's been coming as well, you know. I mean last year they they finished eleventh, didn't they? But they weren't
1: that they were horrible. They weren't that they were far horrible. away from getting relegated. It yeah. looks like
0: they were comfortable in mid table, but they picked up a few big results towards the end of the season to get themselves away. Like around the twenty eight to thirty two game match day mark. They were in and around it for quite a while. Europe the first year that dropped down, and then this dropped down again. Baumgart is working off a lot of good memories from the first season. Still, you know that he's still got that in the bank, and he's using that as credit. But that credit's running out now. And you're saying he's, you think he's gone in the next two?
1: In, in the next four, because he's losing the next two, or I mean, drawing against Gladbach. He, I don't see them win against Gladbach. I don't see it. If they would win, that would buy him something more. But if they don't win, then they will lose against Bayern and then they have the two games against Augsburg and Bochum where they need to win one game. If they don't, they have like two points after eleven matches. And you've got the Kaiserslautern Cup game
2: in there as well, which yeah. okay, it's only the cup, but you know, a bad result in that. You wouldn't be surprised to to see him get rid of them. And you've still got as well, what, one international break coming up, which is always a time when teams maybe look at making a change
0: got another international break yeah but we <laughs> and that's just before
1: the game against bayern <laughs> where they could be like the new manager yeah here's your free shot
0: yeah yeah exactly oh <laughs> know I, mean, I mentioned bremen as well they we were also really struggling um at the wrong of the table five defeats in their first seven games that's the most ever and the first time in 30 years 12 points from a possible 54 as we mentioned alongside Augsburg, the worst return over that Periods of 18 games and they've lost the last six away from home in a row um worryingly they've conceded three goals in injury time second half injury time that's cost them four points we mentioned Nabi kaita in the preview about what a clever signing that was and what a waste of time it was kind of we should have known really we should have known better he's played 81 minutes so far he's now picked up another injury before the international break so Oli Verner's future, you come to the same question that you've got with Baumgart, you know, how long has he got to be able to turn it around?
2: Less time, I would yeah, say. Yeah.
0: He's been living off you no, know, they've been poor for a far longer time, really, than Kern have, without any kind of good little run in between. Curln did at least have that one in the last year. Bremen just dropped and dropped and dropped. Um, after starting relatively well with Fulcuk and Dutch working quite well together, they ran out of steam quite quickly. You know, two inch from eighteen is it's a poor record. And you look at their run of Dortmund's Union, Wolfsburg, Frankfurt, Leverkusen, Stuttgart, the next six games for Bremen, and
2: it looks tough. Unfortunately for teams like Bremen and Köln, you're seeing the result of their summer transfer window, mm. and particularly some of the players that they've lost. You know, with Köln, Skiri is gone, makes a massive difference. And I think it was pretty clear, if you take Fulkrug out of that Bremen side, they're also going to struggle.
0: I don't think goals have been Bremen's problem necessarily. You know, they've scored 12 this year and Ducks just been all right.
2: But I don't think they look... They don't look anywhere near as dangerous as what they were, I don't feel. I I know, yeah, you say they've scored 12 goals this season. But, I mean, four of those came against Mines. Everyone can score four (laughs) goals against Mines, you know. And even the games where they do, okay, yeah, maybe they score a couple of goals... Would they go and concede three or four.
0: There seems to be a situation where five of their goals have been scored by substitutes, which, on the one hand, is good because it means that you've got players from the bench who can come on and uh, and have an impact. But it also shows that the starting 11 really isn't doing its job at all. Yeah. Who do we think first going first out of Baumgart and Vienna?
1: Depends really on, on the run.
2: I think Werner. I still think that Baumgart's got a little bit more.
0: Back in by everybody involved, yeah. really. yeah, yeah.
2: Um, And I just think this run of Bremen's has been going on for a lot longer than what's been going on at Köln. It won't be allowed to go on that much longer at Köln, 100%. But at Bremen, it's, it's now fairly clear that it's not really working. Whereas at Köln, you think, okay, bad start, but there's still a possibility that this can get turned around. Whereas Bremen, I, I just don't quite see it.
1: I can see them being sacked pretty much at the same time. <laughs> or <Over>, that, yeah. With an hour, other, Yeah, I, I can... I also think they will be sacked at some point. Even they, mm-hmm. if they turn it around, I can see them struggling again in the second half. Baumgart turned up at Bremen? That <laughs> would be clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just wait until Baumgart is sacked and then take him.
0: But a big story really off the pitch in over the last month has been max able leaving leipzig um if you remember he left gladbach in january 2022 citing burnout effectively is the main reason for that and then december the same year he joins leipzig which didn't go down well um a lot of quarters really in german football not just gladbach fans there were rumours that he was in talks with Bayern at the start of the season, and he didn't really distance himself from that at any point. Uh, refused to rule himself out of contention and was certainly rumoured to be considering the opportunity, which I guess you would. You know, it, it's Bayern and you're stuck at Leipzig. So, and you he's, know. he's a
1: born Bavarian, even born... From Munich? Something like that?
0: Yeah. And the position's open. You know, the position of Bayern is open and it's there for somebody to step into for the long term. So it's kind of the, the perfect situation. Even if they have appointed a sporting director, it certainly doesn't feel like he's there for the long haul, Christopher Freund. Then Leipzig sacked him uh, just before the Bayern game, so perfect timing. <laughs> um, the starting a lack of commitments uh, was the main reason the statement wasn't so much the the most interesting part of it, or sort of certainly from a Leipzig point of view, but Oliver Mintzlaff, um said that the relationship was already beyond repair, and that the problems already surface in April.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of weird. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had moved to Bayern in the summer, and I, I think he's, he's relieved that he got sacked, and he will go to Bayern in a couple of months. But uh, the latest next summer he will be at Bayern. I mean, I don't see any scenario where he's not working at Bayern next mm-hmm. season. Bayern, yeah, I need doing
2: what? That's the thing. I don't understand what he'd be doing at Bayern. What, what? position?
0: did sporting director role that yeah. is. But
2: they've got a sporting director. They've just appointed one like
1: last month. Yeah, but they'll find room for him.
2: I mean, fair. Enough. Yeah, they might well yeah. do.
1: But it just seems like they say Khan and Salihamidzic. They're yeah. those two working together. They can have. Able to work together with others, so I think he will move to Bayern fairly soon.
0: Just all seems a very bizarre situation because you know Abel is a sporting director. That's what he's made his name as. That's what he did at Gladbach for so many years. And Did a great job at it. You know he was one of the best. But um, Bayern have just appointed a sporting director in Christoph Freund at the start of September, so they've got that position filled. I don't know, you know, what position Abel would then be considered for in the Bayern hierarchy. He is a sporting director. That's, you know, that's his trait. I mean, I I don't understand it feels like too many cooks kind of situation. It feels like Bayern are looking at Abel because he's a big name, arguably in German football, the biggest name in this area. And it's natural that he would therefore be at Bayern. But it doesn't seem to make that much sense if they're just appointing
1: somebody else to do the job that he would do. Was it ever a problem for Bayern to have a lot of people on the payroll? Well, I mean, it didn't exactly go well with Khan and Salihamidzic. And, yeah, but the, they were both both horrible.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. True.
2: Yeah, they, I mean, in that sense, probably Abel is a bit of an upgrade, but only if you're putting Abel into the very specific position that he has shown to be good at. But from this, it
1: would they're seem they're going to find a position. I'm I'm willing to bet <laughs> large amounts of money that he will end up at Bayern.
0: Yeah, but then, but if he's done well in one position, putting him in the position, just like you know, it's 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 a weird thing to do. It's it? not
1: rocket science. You're working in a football club. You're trying to appoint players. What's so hard about that?
0: Yeah, but if you've got more than one person doing that, or too many people doing that, no matter how good one of those people is, you're getting in each other's way. You're it, you're not productive. You're not helping each other to get in that direction. Mean, that's what I mean. Like it's there's. I know in Germany it's the sporting director position we should have just do an episode on the sporting director position because it has far more importance than it does f- certainly in the Premier League for example but um surely it should be one person who has an assistant or somebody who just helps him get the job done rather than having two leaders in that position who go Don't around Do you
1: the- remember how Flick was appointed as an assistant manager at Bayern a couple of months later he turns out to be but the he manager He was
0: clean an assistant when he was assistant
1: he was also a plan B whenever something would go wrong. I'm not entirely sure of the uh,
2: internal buy-in structure, but it does seem like the position above the sporting director is vacant. So the person that would sort of be in charge of making sure that the sporting director is performing, it doesn't really feel like a good idea to bring in someone to watch over that who actually sort of
0: does the job anyway
2: yeah, I mean, like, and thinks that they could probably do a better job anyway that doesn't really feel like that's going to end well doesn't send a good message to
0: to find to have Abel as yeah. like your supervisor but it, it, it does feel a bit bizarre um let's see if Abel ends up there but certainly for having such that strong reputation at Gladbach the reputation with Gladbach fans of being a club legend there effectively As much of a club legend you can be as somebody part of the board. The way he left then to go to Leipzig of all the clubs, and then he goes to Leipzig and very quickly realizes I don't really want to be here. I'd rather be at Bayern. You've taken a big leap to go to Leipzig, and you have put your reputation on the line as well by going to Leipzig. You know You've contradicted a lot of what you've said in the past to go to Leipzig.
1: The thing is, he's been there so shortly, it didn't really hurt his reputation. I mean to not identify with the club it's not really a negative <laughs> argument in Germany but it is yeah, if yeah. that's
2: if you've spent a good proportion of your time at another club saying exactly that and saying that you know speaking to your fan groups and giving many many reasons as to why you think Leipzig are a bad idea, and yeah, to yeah. then turn around and go, well, then I'm going to go to them, yeah, and then turn around to- and say, oh, actually, I don't identify with them anymore. It just makes you look like an absolute idiot.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's,
2: yeah, no but, I mean the idiot,
1: um, the idiot uh, thing with with Abel here, uh, we already had that a year ago. He already looked like an idiot, so I mean, he can't. He was at the bottom. Going to Leipzig, no one really took him from a fan perspective. No one respected him. But, I mean, in terms of looking at him as an asset with a big address book and knowing the market and knowing stuff and knowing people, he still had that and club owners probably won't care about his image because if he gets the result, he gets the result. And the thing is, he was at Leipzig so short, so his sporting reputation was not hurt. Because Leipzig still Mm -hmm. had a good season. He didn't have that much of an impact. So he was only there so shortly. So his sporting reputation is still very, very high. Yeah, okay, I see what you mean. At least within people who
2: are running the game.
1: So that's why his time at Leipzig didn't really matter. His image fan-wise was destroyed anyway. And his sporting image hasn't gotten destroyed. Mm. If he was there for two or three years... And Leipzig would have done worse, then fair enough. Then Bayern would probably be like, ah, we don't pay, take, take him anymore. But now his sporting image is still very high.
0: Um, the other big story in German football is the appointment of Julian Nagelsmann as germany manager
1: we called it we yeah
0: call
2: i mean that was <laughs> fairly obvious <laughs> like come on at least when we get a prediction right we're celebrating yeah <laughs> yeah um hired until the end of the euro
0: so just a short term appointment to smart move yeah for his part anyway <laughs> so three
1: three european competition games and then the next manager
0: won the first game 3-1 against USA. While we we're recording this podcast, the second game in his actual break um not been played yet, so we don't know how they got on against Mexico. It's the right appointment, right? Isn't it? You know, if, if it makes sense.
2: There was no one better for the job. Absolutely. That was probably the main thing. I think he still commands enough respect from the players and he's playing with
1: half of Bayern team anyway. Which so. he knows, yeah.
0: Is that a good thing? How he left Bayern or the relationship with Bayern and fired players? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, his
1: goal is still to be the be a successful manager so he's also depending on the Bayern players and he will probably have to put it aside and be like all right it wasn't your fault let's get over with it
0: what do we expect now from Germany oh
1: he's gonna win the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) I mean it it wouldn't be the biggest surprise I can see that happening but it's still knockout games and stuff they should easily reach the quarterfinals and stuff and from then on anything can happen I mean getting out of the group is would be, I mean the would squat, be good for Germany the these days. The squad was never that bad.
2: Uh, that's just what I was about to say actually. I know that in terms of winning the whole thing there are teams that are going to be there that will probably have more than Germany. And as much as you said earlier in the episode the fact that Behrens is getting called up and even Fulkrug and you know, ah uh, it's a bit of an indictment on the state of German football these days and we've also spoken previous episodes about But that's up front in particular. Well, yeah. But I still think that if everyone's all fit, which is also another big caveat, but I think Germany have still got the ability to put an eleven on the pitch that I think can beat the majority of other sides in in Europe.
0: The midfield forward line, not including the striker, you mm. know, is one of if not the best. Yeah, honestly, I mean, like it, it's. There are so many options, and if Leroy Sane is on the form that he's on at the moment, um, you know players like Wirtz and Musiala, and you know Joshua and Goretzka as well, and you know, Julian Brandt's on form, or you've got Thomas Muller. Um, there are so many options in midfield that I think th- there is quality there. There is quality there, and the results of the World Cup and um, and the Euro, the last three tournaments have massively underachieved. It's not necessarily that the team is. Not good enough to be in latter stages of tournaments. It's just massively, massively underperformed. There's been something that's not quite right. So um, Nagelsmann's still a top manager. He's a Bundesliga winner, and he may have got sacked by Bayern, but they weren't in a terrible position when he got sacked. And Tuchel came in and didn't really do that great a job. Uh, they just about won the won the title. It certainly wasn't plain sailing. There's enough to be positive about, I think, from a Germany point of view. Got one question that we did want to want to call from Ryan Bates, who wrote in saying, "Went to watch a bunch of Gladbach and Leverkusen a month ago. Apart from the obvious teams like Munich and Dortmund, what grounds would you recommend to visit in any league? So not just the Bundesliga, but lower down. You guys oh. far more travelled in Germany than I am. So
1: where's my uh, where's my Groundhopper app? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, first off, in the Bundesliga, Bochum. Nice ground in the city, good atmosphere, good song. Small
2: stadium, very uh, always
1: got good atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. Because it's an old stadium, no running track. And then the atmosphere is is just really good. Stadium-wise, I also have a wild one, RB Leipzig. Makes sense because the stadium's really interesting because it's built inside the old oval of the older central stadium of Leipzig. There was a massive stadium. And the new stadium built for the World Cup 2006 was built within the stadium. So, yeah, I don't remember. Stadium architecture-wise, I think it's
2: interesting. I don't remember being that. I mean, Leipzig itself as a city is a very yeah, beautiful city is place, also
1: but I don't remember being that blown away. If you look by at pictures, it's, it's interesting. Oh, you can really okay. see that the stadium being built inside an older, bigger stadium. Which I mean, you can't see the terraces anymore because there's grass above it, but you can see it's inside a bigger thing. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, uh, lower leagues, I have to think a couple of seconds, but maybe you also have a...
2: Well, a, just in terms of uh, other Bundesliga sides, next weekend, I'm going away to Bremen with Union. That's always a good stadium that I like going to, right yeah. on the river, you know, nice places to drink outside, the stadium itself. It's a good-sized stadium. The atmosphere is usually pretty, pretty decent whenever I've been there, so that's always a, a nice one to go to, I think. Frankfurt, I still think is a
1: decent stadium to go to yeah decent but I mean it's the image is better than the actual experience I would say
2: I don't know I kind of I had fun there because you've got like the the walk around the stadium is also quite nice because you've also got the forest there a little bit like Union
1: obviously I've never done Köln away that's one Köln is also decent also close to the pitch English kind of looking very English Uh, getting to lower leagues of course we have St. Pauli good atmosphere and it's a stadium within the city that's also not common usually you you take like trains and stuff and Absolutely. go outside the city because Germans won't, don't want the rubbish in the city. Uh, St. Pauli's right in there. So you can just maybe go for, right from a bar into the stadium. And then also lower league wise, I would say if, if you even go lower, go to 1860 Munich in Munich because um, also an old ground and um, interesting. I mean, certainly in the Zweiter league, you've got some great
2: options. I mean, Schalke, I still think is a great stadium to go to. Um, it's always full. I mean, I think this season they're averaging like 60,000 people in the stadium and they're already about to get relegated from their position at the moment. Kaiserslautern
1: Good team. one, but like there's not much going on in the area. So it's yeah. more like a in and out for you. True, true. Maybe you can link it, Kaiserslautern and Frankfurt, because the cities are fairly close and you can, could fly to Frankfurt. That could be a nice can and Zweite Bundesliga and 1st are not playing together, so yeah. that could work. Um, and if you ever are scared of getting tickets, then go to Hertha. <laughs> you will get tickets there.
0: Of course, Union as well, the First guy 3, um, didn't really mention that. It's harder to get a ticket than the Olympic Stadium, to be fair. But uh, if you can get one... If you Richard can if you help you out. Give, give us a call. That's great. <laughs> but uh, you can get one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an experience of gym, what a German football is all about. So yeah, a nice little list there of um, some grounds. I hope that answered your question Ryan. If anybody else has got any questions, please do send them in to us um, at Bully underscore Diaries on Twitter or X now as it's uh, officially called. Or any longer questions can be sent to fans at bundlesinger-diaries.com. Uh, thank you, Richard and Mirko, as ever
2: yeah cheers nice to go through a few little stadiums there
0: yeah cheers uh, quick look ahead to some of the matches to keep an eye on over the next month well a derby of course Köln Gladbach this one that's always a always a good one to, to watch Union Stuttgart yeah see if Stuttgart can keep on their mm. run or Union can finally win uh, the week after, Frankfurt against Dortmund. Should be interesting. Uh, Leverkusen, Freiburg. Stuttgart, Hoffenheim as well. So, teams at the top of the division. The week after that, match day 10. The Classica, Dortmund against Bayern.
2: What's the date of that?
0: That is the 4th of November. The top spiel on the Saturday, half past six, kickoff
2: German time. It's at Dortmund, right? At Dortmund. Okay, well, that gives us a little bit of hope. Can for they something? set down a
0: marker? <laughs> Can they nick a result and. Uh, Really put the cat amongst pigeons. We'll see, we'll see. So, thank you as well to you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next month.